the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Heavenly Father, grant that the words of my mouth, meditation of the hearts of those who worship all over the world on this day, may they be acceptable in your sight. And as many a teacher and preacher preaches on this Father's Day, grant that the words that you give them might be acceptable in your sight and blessed for those who hear them. Because I pray those words come from your word. In our Savior's name, amen. Context, 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 context. Who do you call when the roof is leaking? You have a go-to person. When the toilet's not working, who do you go to? When your car is not working, who do you go to? You have your contacts. Teeth are hurting you, who do you go to? Doctors, lawyers, accountants, plumbers, tradesmen of all sorts. They're in your contacts. I want to share a story from Mark chapter 5. These two people had contacts. And on a Father's Day, you understand why I chose this particular text. Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was standing by the lake. One of the synagogue rulers, synagogue rulers were lay people in charge of the building and in charge of the worship. One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came to the lake And seeing Jesus at the lake, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, for I know that if you touch her, she'll be healed and she will live. So Jesus left the lake and went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed against him. There was a woman in the village on his way to Jairus' house. There was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had spent all the money she had. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus being in that village, she came up behind him in the great crowd and touched his cloak. She said to herself, If I but touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She wasn't just in remission. She felt after 12 years the disease was gone. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? The disciples intruded and said to him, Jesus, you see hundreds of people crowding around you. 
and you ask who touched me? Jesus ignored them. He kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to the woman, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You are freed from this illness. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, some men came from the house of Jairus. And they said to the synagogue ruler, Your daughter is dead. Were they that blunt? Were they that blunt? Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. Ignoring what they said, Jesus said to Jairus, Do not be afraid. Do not lose your faith that brought you to me. Do not be afraid. Do not lose your faith. Only believe. And you know the rest of the story, how he goes to the house, and he says to the 12-year-old girl, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she stands up and walks around, 12 years old. And he said to the parents, Give her something to eat. Contacts. Contacts. Fathers are blessed in ways that mothers aren't. Mothers are blessed in ways that fathers aren't. It's the difference between uh, how a father integrates something and how a mother who bore that child and had that child in her womb uh, for nine months. It's a difference in how they integrate things, how they look at things, how they celebrate things. There are blessings that fathers have that mothers will never understand. And there are far many more blessings that a mom has that a dad will never understand. And on the other side of the spectrum, there are burdens that fathers wrestle with that mothers never will. And there are burdens that mothers wrestle with that fathers will never understand. Am I too easy on the child? My father was tough on me. Am I too easy on the child? Am I too hard on the child? Am I too controlling? Am I not involved enough? The issues are rampant, both for fathers and mothers. And then fathers have this whole weight of financial responsibility. And there are so many men who look at their finances and they shudder, wondering how they're going to pay a bill next month. And what they perhaps should give up and what they shouldn't give up and that whole list of things. And then there are so many fathers who have not only parenting issues going on inside their head and not only financial issues going on in the checkbook, They have issues pertaining to health. And they're trying to raise their children, raise a family, and they have health issues going on that occupy half of their thinking most of the time. And then the fathers have what any human being has on this earth. They have their battles with depression. 
and self-doubts and self-esteem and hundreds of other issues, some from the past, the way they were raised, some that they have grown into with jobs that they've had, people that they've met, all sorts of issues. You ask the dad, who do you use for a carpenter? There's your answer. You ask the dad, who do you use when you need a doctor? There's the answer. Pediatrician, dentist, there's the answer. Automobile mechanic, there's the answer. Tax preparer, there's the answer. And if you ask your father, who do you go to on a daily basis? How many fathers would answer? I go to him every morning, every afternoon, every evening. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, my contact is him. I push the button called prayer, and I am connected to him. I was at L.A. Fitness yesterday, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Lucas had a ball game in the morning. We were there at New Lenox. And then L.A. Fitness. And as I'm there, I listen to one really, really, really big dude. Just, you know, just kind of rippling there. Lifting those weights. And he turns to the really, really, really big dude next to him with all those tattoos. And he says to him, around 1.30, he says to him, I'm leaving now. And his buddy said, you just got here an hour ago. How come you're leaving so early? And he said, my son has a ball game tomorrow morning. And we're going to go to park to you this afternoon at the 3 o'clock worship. Because I don't want him to miss church. And I don't want him to miss the ball game. And I'm listening to this. I'm getting, kind of getting goosebumps. And the really big dude, number two, standing next to him said, I've got those things covered with my son. Baseball football. I got all that stuff covered with him. And my daughter's in cheerleading, and I got that all covered with her. But I'm missing something, he said. I'm missing the church. I was brought up there, but I'm not bringing my children up there, and that has to change. And really big dude number one says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to swing back by here at 2.30, and I'm going to pick you up, and we're going to go. And if you want to call your wife and have her bring the child here to the gym, then my son and your daughter and the two of us will go. Oh, my goodness gracious. People with tattoos all over their body and really big dudes, they, they don't do that, do they? But they do. They do. That man's contact was with him. And though his child was young, 
because he's a young father. Though his child was young, he knew what buttons to push. And I won't forget that conversation for a very, very, very long time. It was something with God's timing that he knew would do me good to hear. Yesterday afternoon. His name is Jairus. He's a synagogue ruler. His daughter is ill. She's 12 years of age. Let me ask you this question. Is this the first time that he has used Jehovah? Is this the first time he's used Jesus? And my answer to you is since that child was born, and since that child was baptized, this man every single day being the synagogue ruler, supervising worship, in charge of the building, I will guarantee you, I will call Las Vegas and place a bet, that every single day this child heard about her Lord and Savior. And every single day, Dad prayed and the daughter prayed and the mom prayed to Jehovah. And whenever a blessing came into that daughter's life or his life, the first thing out of his mouth was, How great is God? I've told you many times, you've seen it many times, when a child is baptized, the parents take vows. I wish I could have baptized Jairus' daughter, because as he and his wife stood in front of me, and I asked them, Will you set a Christian example in word and deed to this child? Will you pray with and for your daughter on a daily basis? Will you bring them regularly to the services of God's house? Will you provide for their further instruction in the Christian faith? Jairus and his wife would have answered, By the grace of God we shall. The entirety of her twelve years on this earth, That girl heard about her Lord. And when she is sick and when the doctors say, we're going to lose her, Jairus does not send a servant. He does not send his wife. Jairus goes to the lake. Surrounded by this crowd of people, Jairus is sitting there. Do I interrupt him? Do I interrupt him? He's right in the middle of a sermon. Do I interrupt him? And when your daughter is dying, you don't think about that stuff. He goes running to Jesus, falls down at his feet. And he says, Jesus, you're my contact. You've been my contact for the 12 years my daughter's been alive on this earth. Can I ask you to leave the lake? Can I ask you to leave a thousand people? Can I ask you to come to my house and touch her? And she'll be alive. She'll live. And Jesus, without hesitation, says, lead the way. And he does. 
There's an interruption of great moments. Because as they are hurrying through the village, someone touches his robe. It's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, leukemia, lymphoma, some blood disorder. She's got no money left. She went to all the Jewish doctors who practice the Jewish Talmud and told her, here's how you treat it, here's how you treat it, here's how you treat it. And as the years have gone by, maybe she was 40 when it started, now she's 52. Maybe she's 50, now she's 62. The illness has progressed. Her house is gone, living with friends or relatives, who, whoever might shelter her for a week or a month. She's got no money left. And she walks not to the lake, but she walks into that marketplace. And she touches his robe. And Jesus stops. And if I was Jairus and my daughter was dying, I would have been frantic. Jesus, every second counts. Don't stop and talk to this woman. Don't stop. Jesus stops. Says to her, says first, power has gone out of me who touched me. I wonder about the woman. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. The girl in the same village has lived on this earth 12 years. I wonder if they knew each other. I wonder if they went to the same synagogue. I wonder if the girl asked her father, Who's that woman over there? Why is she so frail? Why is she as white as a ghost? And I wonder if her father said, Well, she's got a blood disorder. That's why she's so pale. And that's why she's so frail. And I wonder if the woman watched the 12-year-old girl grow up. I wonder if she was there when the child was baptized. And I wonder if as years went by, she watched this child. wonder if she patted her head. wonder if she brought her some gifts on her birthday. The woman is dying. She has a contact. The girl is dying. She has a contact. Is the same person. The same person who's number one in my contact list. The same person who's number one in your contact list, I pray. Him, Jesus. And the woman said, I touched you, Lord. And he said, great is your faith. No better choice than to have me as your contact. The disease has left you. And while he is still speaking to the woman, someone comes from Jairus' house. I can't imagine they'd be that blunt. Certainly they would say something like, Jairus, I've got really, really bad news, really bad news. Or they would stand there not being able to say anything with tears in their eyes and Jairus would look at them and know what had happened. I can't imagine it was so blunt Your daughter has died. Don't trouble Jesus any longer. Listen carefully to what Jesus says. He says to the man, Do not lose your faith. 
Jairus, do not lose your faith. I can help. Do not lose your faith. Martha, when Lazarus dies, says to Jesus, If you'd have come right away, you'd touch me and still be alive. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked Martha, have you lost your faith? He put it this way. Do you believe what I just said? Have you lost your faith, Martha? Don't lose your faith, Martha. And Martha said, I believe you are the Christ, Son of the living God. He said the same thing to this man. Do not lose your faith. And they go to the house, and Peter, James, and John go upstairs with him, and he says, Little girl, arise. She opens her eyes. Who's the first person she sees? The person that her mother and father have talked about her entire life. She sees Jesus. Do you think that maybe she thought she was in heaven? Because her dad had probably said, the first person you'll see is Jesus. And when she opens her eyes, he's there. Jesus. And then Jesus said to mom and dad, get her something to eat. Get her some food to eat. Raleigh Anderson prayed before the pastors came in. He said, God God be with all fathers, for they hold a great, great responsibility. Amen, Raleigh. The most important thing you'll do for your child is what you and I vowed we would do when they were baptized. We vowed that we would set a Christian example for them in word and deed. We're not always so good at that. We vowed that we would pray for them daily. We're not always so good at that. That we would bring them regularly to the services of God's house that we would provide for their further instruction in the Christian faith, and that we would do by all means bringing them to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This morning, a gentleman at L.A. Fitness, if the game wasn't fogged out or rained out, and the boy gets a hit today, that dad will say, God be praised. He had a good game. When our Lord is part of your life, the Holy Spirit so works it that what comes out of you just automatically is praise to him. And if the Holy Spirit has made him an integral part of your life, Then when you need a contact, not for cars or roofs or plumbing or teeth or bones, when you need a contact, 
It's just automatic that you go to him. And if you're a Baptist, you'd say amen, but you're not. So I will say it for you. Amen. Which means, dear Lord, may it be so in my life and in yours. And all God's people said, amen. You say it louder, I'll stop. All God's people say, amen. That's good. I ask you to rise as we pray. Yay, listen to that. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing me to the gym, not in the morning where I usually go on a Saturday, but in the afternoon. Because I've said so many times from this pulpit, I hear sermons from you. This man, not a member here, But that was quite a sermon I listened to for four or five minutes yesterday in the gym. And it gave me goosebumps then and it gives me goosebumps now. An individual that as you look at him would think God is not part of his life, church is not part of his life. And yet it was so evidently so. Not only bringing his own children there but actually bold enough to say to the person next to him, I'm going to pick you up. You can come with me. So it was with Jairus. So it was with a woman with the issue of blood. May it be so for us, Lord, that when a blessing comes, our instant contact is a thank you to God. And when some trial comes, our instant contact is lifting both of our hands up to the heavens and say, Lord, I know you are with me. Your wisdom, your guidance, your direction, your protection. I know you are with me, my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.